I thought I'd take something which is sort of a piece. <coughs> when I chaired the task force and produced Towards Noble Renaissance, and we were doing the first draft, I noticed a word that was quite often crossed out, and the word was beauty, by the civil servant. And when I asked him, he said, well, if you want to get anywhere in politics, you can't use the word beauty, which I thought was interesting. So <laughs> 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 um, it doesn't exist, then. And this is, I, and I'm going to talk a bit about it. This also niggled me. This this question, the idea that beauty and I relate immediately to culture, of course. And I think what, what makes life live, worth living is culture. Um, and beauty is certainly part of that of that concept. Um, but the this should be a golden period. We we have a fantastic ability of choosing people, whether it's from New Zealand or whether it's Northern Canada or the Sahara. You can take people men and women, and use them. And we're talking about design and beauty done by kings, and with people with vision. I think we all accept that there are certain elements which have a common beauty. One of the sentences that annoys me most is, well, it's subjective. Beauty has no intrinsic values beyond that which is in the eye of the beholder. Yet when you say to them, well, if you see a Venus of Milo, or you hear a Bach fugue, or Leonardo's Mona Lisa, or whichever you want to choose, uh, Palladium Villa, um, do you say it's all subjective, or do we nearly all agree? And our answer usually is, yeah, we agree. Those buildings are beautiful, or the music is beautiful, or that sculpture, or whatever it is, is beautiful. There, through time, we have defined a beauty, therefore beauty exists. So I think this constant belief that beauty, of course, related to design, and, uh, is something which is real value. So don't get fobbed off, off by the continuous erosion, especially in the media and the politics, that it's something which is not really worth talking about because it's not like sending soldiers to Iraq. In other words, you can't come. Um, it's, it has a more complex situation. It is not just about economics. It's got involved, it involves all those elements. Now, as an architect, I know very, very well that I work as a team. It's no longer, it's no longer uh, possible to uh, to sort of do a design of even a small building on one's own, let alone pieces of city. And that's why we need all these things. We need a whole complex delivery system and processes. And if we don't have those processes in place, we're not going to move forward because we live in a very complex society. But we do need to recognize that there are a number of very talented designers and that they need to be in the right place. I'm slightly despondent, and I, Richard must be even more so because he spends more time, in trying to encourage or time, I'm going to say, to titivate bad design into being a bit better design. <laughs> it's a tremendously painful and very difficult. I am probably not so kind on this um, because I just feel that in the end it's, if you start with something which is truly pretty terrible it's, you can you can it but you're not going to be all there all the time so you've got to choose the right pe people it's just like playing a game of tennis they've got to they have to be have had the training I don't think why it is I don't believe greatly that one is born but I do believe training is very important and I think, therefore, we have to start at a morally high level. We've got to select the right people to lead those design teams if, it, if design is an early process. 
and recognize that really this can make a change. Now, I think, we, again, we all accept <coughs> that buildings and even more public spaces can brutalize people. If people have come from a appalling ghetto of poverty, if everybody with skills and with a bit of money have left that area because they can move and leaving this brutal area, uh, you know, we know that they have a much lower, less of a chance to succeed in life. Unless you succeed as a broad system, inclusive. So in terms of communities, in terms of individuals, social inclusion has become and is affected by the built environment. These in a sense are the two poles and what we what we as architects, planners and related uh, professionals work on. People, buildings, environment. Of course the third one which has come up very fast is the whole responsibility to uh, the ecology. So and you can make those those three points. But still I come back in a moment to quality of design. If we accept we can brutalize if we accept that Georgian terraces are very seldom superb people are not saying I'd love us to live in a Georgian house just using that, that's my way but, but therefore they make a decision if you live in certain areas near a, a beautiful river a great park, that adds not only beauty, actually adds to the value of the building and adds of course to the quality of your life of your children and your grandparents and everybody else around you, in other words the whole thing is positive it's not subjective I am very concerned by the state of the, of the public domain in London. I have to say it's improved a lot. And I've been here, as you can see, a long time. Um, I came over when I was five from Italy. Um, and certainly London has never been better, and the public domain is improving. But then if you take the next step, which is, well, well let's make it one more good point. I think one of the biggest changes is exactly around along here. Uh, I think the, to walk from the wheel, if you like, or down that end, and to walk, let's say, to design museum. This was a no-go area 20 years ago. I remember well when I sort of, a little bit earlier when I left the AA, looking at my wife for a place to live here. She just couldn't live. There wasn't anything. This, this was going to be a new industrial docklands uh, of the future. There was, today, it is the most lively, most vital. Come on Saturday or Sunday and see the... the the different ethnic groups are cooking or making music or so on. It's fantastic. So that's a success story. That's a real success story. Probably, in my opinion, the best urban regeneration in Britain. Um, this, this, this amazing walk with all its cultural institutions, bridges, and, and, and so on. On the other hand, there's a lot of areas which are pretty terrible. If you just walk outside and you look at the paving, if you look at the street, and the street is the key, it's the nervous system of the public domain. If the street doesn't work, that's where you basically meet people. I'm all for parks, I'm all for avenues, I'm all for squares. But the real place where you spend most of the time is the streets. And if you start counting, by the way, the number of people who uses those spaces, the number of cars, of course, people, people in terms of more people, we nearly always believe more than the car, than cars. Now we're pushing hard back now towards a more balanced view of the pedestrian that well, streets for people, critical part. And we are changing, but it's, we have a long way to go. Um, and I think this is, if I had to say, of all the things which really I'd like to push hard on is those public spaces, and specifically the streets. I'll just finish. Uh, I'm sure you, a lot of you will know that wonderful Greek oath which was made, Hellenic oath, 2,500 years ago, that the, the citizens of, uh, of Athens, when they were made citizens, of course they were male, white, etc., and they were very few, and very exclusive, but still, it was the beginning of our... Of our of the modern culture, shall we call it. 
yeah, swore to leave their city better than they entered it. I think that's what we have to do. Thank you.